0: for the final time in our kind of year kickoff uh, series. Uh, to 1 Timothy chapter 3, we'll read that chapter one more time. Uh, 1 Timothy uh, chapter 3, we're going to begin reading in verse 1 as we continue uh, to think about uh, the relationship of the people of God uh, to the ordained leadership of the people of God. How is it that we are... Uh, to uh, serve you uh, by leading you? And how, how does that uh, provide even the, the impetus and certainly the structure uh, by which and through which we may grow, that we may function uh, both efficiently and effectively uh, for the, the cause of Christ? And so if you would, uh, read with me beginning uh, in uh, verse 1. in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. I hope to come to you soon, but I am writing these things to you so that if I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of truth. Great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of godliness. He was manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by the angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory pray with me father once again we thank you for your truth we pray that the spirit that inspired the apostle paul so long ago would be at work among us today within me uh, to speak your truth and uh, in the hearts and minds of those who hear uh, that you would apply these things uh, so that we may be uh, more like our savior jesus christ we ask these things in jesus name Amen. As we've noted, uh, Paul addresses this letter to young Timothy who is ministering in Ephesus in Paul's absence a church that he had ministered to for a number of years and uh, had established that church and was very near and dear to his heart and so he says to Timothy I've I've, I've put you there so that you may be certain that the truth endures that the truth is proclaimed and that this is important because it is this church, this entity that we call the church, the people of God, that they're indeed uh, the pillar and the buttress of truth. That is, they support the truth in such a way that the world may see it, they may hear it, they may understand it, they may believe it, so they may be converted. If the church becomes... Uh, distorted, convoluted, compromised, all of these things, then the truth is no longer put on display for the world to see whereby they may be saved. And so the the truth is so very important, but, but the church being designed to preserve and to proclaim that truth is important. Uh, as well and so he summarizes the gospel in terms of the son of God manifested among us as a human being was vindicated by the work of the spirit by being raised from the dead and now he is ascended to the right hand of his heavenly father and so we here proclaim that great truth and so the work of leading the people of God is an essential it is a crucial work if the people of God are to thrive and to move out Uh, into the world for the sake of proclaiming the gospel and demonstrating the gospel whereby men and women and boys and girls will be saved. And so Paul speaks directly to the structure of the church and of the leadership of the church and identifying uh, these men who lead the church as, as elders or overseers or pastor teachers. All those terms apply to the one singular office. And he's very particular about defining Uh, The moral character that must be present and demonstrated in these men. The spiritual qualifications must be present. The, The doctrinal soundness and the ability and the willingness and the desire to communicate doctrinal truth for the preservation and the perseverance of the people of God. You need to hear truth week after week and day after day so that your heart and your mind may be guarded against the onslaughts of the world, the flesh, and the devil. And so we have an ongoing work, which Paul calls uh, in our text a noble task. It It is a good thing. It is a respectable thing to be in the leadership of the people of God, to be assigned the work of leading, feeding, and protecting. When I first arrived at Beeson Divinity School in 1995, one of the uh, leaders in the Alabama State Convention, a man that had pastored uh, Montgomery First Baptist Church by the name of Dale Huff, uh, taught a class called Baptist Life and Polity. Looking back on it, it it really wasn't a a bad class. Uh, Dr. Huff was a pretty good teacher. Uh, But it could have been so much better. But one of the things he's told us He told us, and there's several things that have stuck in my mind that he told us over the years. I don't know if some of them were threats or warnings, but certainly this one was true. That as a pastor, you must administrate the church, you must teach the church, and you must give care to the church. And you cannot make a C- minus in any, or you cannot make less than a C- minus in any of those categories. You don't have to make an A-plus in any one of them or in all of them, but you can't make an F and be a pastor, lead a church. And that really pretty much corresponds with what I've broken down as the leadership of the church. Much of leadership is administrating, assigning those who have the gifts and the skills and the, the desire to do certain tasks. Now, I look at leadership of the church and, and the role I play, the role that Josh and Tim play as fellow elders uh, here at North Clay Baptist Church, it is our fault. If the restrooms are not satisfactory, it's our fault. Because I have not administrated effectively enough that it is not carried out with excellence. If whatever it is, it's my fault. Okay, you can blame me. Now, I would rather you go directly to the person that's more directly in charge, but ultimately, it's my fault. That's the way leadership works, okay? Uh, as Harry Truman had on his desk, the buck stops here, okay? And so, whatever the complaint is, I, have, I bear at least some type of responsibility, either responsible or irresponsible, okay? And so, we're assigned to this business of leading the church, and the Bible is not ashamed to speak of ruling. Now, that scares everyone to death. I know it does. It scares me to death because I don't want to rule you. I don't, I don't want to be responsible for you. But you know what? It's just like a husband in a home. Men, you're the leader of your household. Even if you get a sign affidavit and say, I am no longer leading this home, guess what? You'll stand before God as the leader of that home. And guess what? I will stand before the church and these two other elders will stand before the living God and give an account for leading this church, for ruling over you, for exercising oversight, giving care you, to your soul, protecting you from that which lies out there. We're, we're to feed the church by rightly dividing. I'm going, to, I'm going to talk more about each of these in just a minute. And we seek to protect you. Two of the prominent ways that I think about is warning you about false doctrine or false teachers. Uh, I, I know sometimes, you know, I, I know I get a lot, well that's just Tim, you know, he's so narrow, he's so this, he's so that. But Bad teaching, bad doctrine is damning. It it undermines the gospel. It distorts the gospel. And it may not have a real bad effect on you. But guess what? You're probably going to have children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren that are going to follow after you. And by the time this junk accumulates in the church over two or three generations, the gospel will be gone. And it's because we thought so-and-so was okay. That was okay. That, 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 that music was okay. The, the Jesus loves me, yeah, 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 praise music. You know, it's all good, okay? And so we're here to protect you. And sometimes I know you don't want to be protected, but that's what God has assigned us to do. And we demonstrate servant leadership, clearly depicted by our Lord Jesus the night of that last supper when he washed his disciples feet and saying do you understand yes indeed I am your king but I'm a different kind of king that's ever walked the face of this earth I'm a servant king Jesus in explaining to his disciples in the gospel of Mark chapter 10 talked about how uh, the Gentile world saw saw, uh, leadership and how they they sought essentially to abuse uh, the offices uh, that they held. I, I tickled Monica the other night in that I called Pilate a thug. She she thought that was a pretty interesting term to apply to Pontius Pilate. But uh that's what he was. He he abused his power and how how frequently in every realm we see power abused. But Jesus said it's not to be that way among my people. You don't lord it over them. You you serve A friend of mine many years ago was one of the first kind of contemporary musicians that I had encountered. and He had a a song, and and both of us had grown up. He had actually attended Tennessee Temple. Bless his heart. I hope he's gotten over it by now, but I don't know. But he went, uh, you know, I I was deeply influenced by that. and, And he had a little song called, "It's He's a Shepherd, Not a Cowboy. Now, what is one of the main differences between a shepherd and a cowboy? A cowboy is behind the herd driving it. A shepherd is in front of the herd leading it. You them you know, shooting their pistols and cracking their whips and driving everybody. It will not work among the people of God. We're to be out front and we're to lead the people of God as those that have their best interests at heart. Sometimes that's difficult. You know, when you're raising children, you ever have any trouble convincing your kids to eat their vegetables, take their vitamins? Y'all know what I'm talking about because it's good for their long-term health. And so sometimes we ask you to do things you don't want to do. But we're here as servant leaders. Not there. There's nothing in the worldly model of leadership really that informs correctly on the pastor. You may draw a principle or two from worldly leadership. But I, I'm I'm kind of disturbed many times at just this obsession with leadership. You lead people by demonstrating Jesus Christ and teaching the gospel of Jesus Christ to the people of God. Okay, that's the way you lead. That's the way you care for them. Okay, and then there, there there's a danger to leadership. Uh, we've seen it in the last few years, particularly in the realm of pride and abuse. Now, you know, if Joel Osteen, you know. Wrecks his Ferrari and gets in all kinds of trouble, you know, driving to his jet to fly over to his yacht to stay on his mansion, you know, or whatever, however he gets messed up. You know, I'm, okay, he got what he deserved. But in these last few years, we have seen men that I would read their books, that I would recommend their books to you that I would say have set a, a godly example that rightly divide the word of truth. We have seen the dangers of leadership so assault them and undermine them that they are absolutely disqualified from leading in a church. You may know the name Mark Driscoll. He started one of the largest churches in the country. The church no longer exists. You may re- remember a man by the name of Bill Hybels, one of the very first kind of church growth gurus. Again, He's out of the ministry. Now, James McDonald, I thought highly of James McDonald. Thought he had a, I thought he had a good word. I mean, they have accused him of hiring a hitman to to kill his son-in-law. Yeah. And, and, and actually bilking the church out of not thousands of dollars, millions of dollars. And then we've seen last year this defection of Joshua Harris. I've got his books in my office. I have given his books to people. And again, it is a dangerous work. You must guard your heart. And, and at some level, you, you guard the heart of your pastor or your leaders, your elders. And we're going to talk about their accountability in just just a moment. But there's there's the danger of pride, of abusing the position, of using it for, for selfish gain. Now, this is not a political statement much, I guess. My understanding was that Bernie Sanders was completely broke when he became a senator. That's my understanding. He had never had a job, not a real job. And now he's a millionaire and owns three houses, and all he's done is serve in the Senate. Now, that sounds like there's something self-serving going on among him and so many like him. Y'all are looking at me real, I'm serious. I mean, my gosh. If, if you look at leadership, at, at particularly, we're talking about pastoring, as a means to feather your own de- uh, nest, you are abusing the position, and you will give an account to God. And so, pride, abuse, alienation. Sometimes it's a lonely thing. I, I have a, had to appeal many times to people with this very vague statement. You don't sit in my chair. You don't know near as much about everything that I know about. You don't know all the details. Not that I, I'm not saying I know everything. I'm saying I know the overarching picture better than anybody. It's ultimately my decision. And you know what? I have to live with it. I have to live with it. You know? You can't... You know, you, you, you're out there. You're out there on a limb uh, by yourself sometimes. Uh, so, there's frustration. I wish that... We were building the third deck on our parking deck out there. I, I, I wish we didn't have to, 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 to deal with so many people being sick, but it's a reality. All of these things are part of living in a, a fallen world, and so uh, pastors get discouraged. In fact, years ago there was something that said that, that there was some, I guess psychologists or something, said they believed that many pastors got themselves involved in uh, immorality so they would get caught. And be disqualified for ministry, so they could get out of it. They 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 didn't feel like they could ever resign. They couldn't step away, but they literally did that so they would get caught, and they'd be kicked out. So the the weight of leadership and ministry would be taken over, taken off of them, and then just fatigue, just tired. Look, we were talking this morning. You know, I have a I have been blessed with the title of Paw. I got five of those little suckers and another one on the way. And Brad Aldridge was, was talking about how he keeps his grandson, who's not even walking yet, right, two days a week. And he is exhausted when he hands that baby back over. I mean, my, I just spent a, a night up in Louisville with my two older grandchildren. And, and Ellen got up this morning and said, oh, my back's killing me. I mean, those grandchildren will wear you down. They're, they're, they're such a blessing. But here's the thing. Is it really hard to keep a small child? Not not really. But you do it for very long. You have to be on your alert every second of the day, particularly with Jude. He is into something constantly. He He could be five miles down the road before I blink. He, he could pull pots off the stove. He could, I mean, have the water faucets turned on, the toilets clogged up. I mean, just you name it. But you, you know, you've got to be on your guard. You've got to watch because he's just inclined to wander off and do something. Now, I don't mean to be demeaning. I'll say it this way, and we're the same way. We're the same way. It is a constant concern over your well-being. I don't say that as your martyr. I'm not. I love what I do. I thank you for giving me the privilege. Y'all have been so good to me. I gladly do what I do. And I say it, I can't do it for free, but if you fire me, I'll be doing it somewhere for free. Yeah. I'll still be teaching the people of God and trying to take care of them, try to lead them appropriately. So, I love what I do, and I love you, and I thank you. But it's also fatiguing in a way that you won't believe. But a good analogy, Uh, I walked in to get Jude this morning, and she goes, here, he's yours. She was tired. She was tired because it is a never-ending responsibility. So there's all of that danger with leaders. That's why churches care for their leaders. And then I want to say a word about accountability. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 5. You're just a page from there probably. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17. Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labored in preaching and teaching. Quite likely, by this early stage in the church, the church had rightly developed both ruling elders and teaching elders. Okay? And... They were saying that it's okay for, for individuals to earn a living if they devote themselves to the preaching and teaching ministry. That's part of what's going on there. But he, he goes on to say, look at verse 19, Do not admit a charge against an elder except on the evidence of two or three witnesses. As for those who persist in sin, rebuke them in the presence of all so that the rest may stand in fear. Now, what does that mean? That I'm capable of sinning, and that I, I believe it does not say this, but I believe if you've got an issue with me, the first thing to do is come talk to me. If you've got an issue with Josh, issue with Tim, you come to us. And if if you discern that we have sinned against the church, then here's the prescription as to how to carry it out, how to carry it out. Not to go, not to try to 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 raise up kind of a, a, you know a movement to come against us. But to deal with it biblically, I am accountable to you. Okay, I'm accountable to you, and you know I have one of my little things. You know, well, Tim, you still preaching? Yeah, I was when I left Norclay about twelve thirty Sunday, but now I got to preach again next week. It may not work out so well. They they may fire me before I can get off the grounds. We're a Baptist church. You have the final say, in who serves you as your pastor? Okay, and so that is kind of the interface between. The congregation and the elders. I'm a fan, and and again, it's going to sound very cocky when I say this, and I I truly don't mean it. I love my job. Thank you for paycheck week after week and being faithful to that. I I understand, but there is this sense of Jesse Stone, the uh, Robert B. Parker character portrayed by Tom Selleck in several uh, TV movies. He gets crossways with the city council. And he's fixing to go into a a meeting with that council, and they look at him and say, Jesse, don't you know we can fire you? He said, I do, but you can't tell me what to do. That's an interesting thing. Y'all can fire me, but as long as I'm serving, I'm here to lead you. I'm here to lead you. I'm here to guide you. I'm here to exercise uh, the authority that's appropriate for the role. You can fire me, for sure, and I hope you don't. But at the same time, you've called somebody to lead you, okay? Not drive you. I'm not a cowboy. I'm an under-shepherd, okay? All right, so I'm accountable to the church, and I think that's very important. And I think what in, in every case that I mentioned of these mega-church pastors that had worldwide ministry, was on writing books and on radio and on TV, they did not have appropriate accountability around them. And that's how they got in trouble. I think in every case, that's what you'll find out. There was no one to hold them accountable. And as we used to say in Somerville, they got too big for their britches. They got too big for their britches. And it destroyed them and hurt untold thousands. And then we'll look quickly at the work of the What do I do? What does an, what does an elder do? What does Josh do? What does Tim do? Well, we've talked a little bit previously about the, the feeding uh, here I use the word equipping. Uh, we looked at Ephesians 4.11 very early on where it talks about apostles and prophets and pastor teachers and evangelists. And so the pastor teacher is called to the work of equipping the work, church to do the work of ministry. I'm equipping how I rightly divide. which may, Now, that involves this. I must first and foremost be a student of the word. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I have not mastered the Bible, and more tragically, the Bible hasn't fully mastered me. That's the worst thing, is the Bible hasn't fully mastered me yet, okay? But I give due diligence to getting what the Bible says correct so I can explain it to you. And so... I'm studying to show myself approved. That workman who need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. You'll want to, folks, you ever heard that verse before? Anybody here? Anybody? Okay. All right. And so, rightly dividing and preaching. Paul says, preach the word, whether they like it or not. Whether they like it or not. That's your job. You keep telling them the truth. We do it soberly. That is, we will stand and give an account. James wrote, not many of you should desire this thing of teaching because you're held to a stricter standard. You're held to a higher account. Uh, you know, I can't just frivolously give you some popped-off uh, interpretation of Scripture. I better be sure I get it right. I better be sure I get it right. And so, again, we work by paying careful attention. Go back to Acts 20. I know I'm running short or you are y'all are i got all time in the world paul goes back to visit these ephesian elders okay it's going to be his last visit with these men that he has loved so so much and if you'll move down toward the end of the chapter uh maybe verse 24 he's telling them that you know, he wanted to speak to them, that he knows his life is going to be difficult, he's going to be persecuted, and that, that does not concern him. He must discharge the ministry that God has given uh, to him, and I won't be back. You're not going to see me again. Verse 26, Therefore I testify to you this day that I'm innocent of the blood of all. That is a singular desire. should be the desire of every elder. How do I become innocent of the blood of all? I've told you the truth. I've told you the truth. I've told you about Jesus Christ. For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. That is, I don't sugarcoat it. I don't dodge it. We take it straight out of the text. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers overseers, to care for the church of God which he obtained with his own blood. Jesus Christ has entrusted this small group of people to us as elders to lead and we will give an account for how we've treated his bride. Let me tell you something. If you were to take Ellen off somewhere on a trip, and I found out that you mistreated her, or you you did something to harm her, it'd be the dickens to pay. It'd be the dickens to pay. Pastors that abuse the bride of Christ, they have a sobering day ahead of them. so I function as an under-shepherd who will give an account. And again, verse 28, Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God. Overseers. Having oversight. Looking over the people just as a shepherd would look over the sheep or the flock making sure that there are no predators around, making sure that they have ample food to eat and water to drink, make sure that they're safe, constantly alert, on guard, watching. And so Paul says, I know there are going to be wolves coming. I can tell you all around you right now, there are those that will seduce you, there are those that will distort and compromise the Word of God. They're on television. They're on every street corner. They're, ev- they're in every bookstore. I, I get, I, I shouldn't say a kick, but a lot of times I'll walk through you know Christian bookstores and things, and the stuff that purports to be Christian is shocking. It is absolutely shocking. And again, I don't know that Lifeway still does it, but they absolutely were selling and making money off T.D. Jake's books and he is an absolute heretic. He denies the Trinity. He denies the foundational truth of Christianity. He does not understand the three in one and the one in three. And so, again, so pay careful attention to me. i got to watch out for me. Man, I'm the biggest problem. Listen, compared to me, y'all are not too much of a problem, quite honestly. I'm the biggest problem. I'm the biggest problem, yeah. That old I got an eye problem, yeah. Okay, and so they're coming, and they're coming from inside the church. Be alert. Be alert. Watch out. And then again, we pay. We shepherd. Again, Peter speaks uh, to that, and the writer of Hebrews speaks of keeping watch keeping watch ruling over uh, the people uh, these men called by God inner inner compulsion inner compulsion a drive a desire to work hard to labor diligently to serve God and his people selected by church again chosen by church you know one thing very quickly uh, there's a little blurb on one of the sports shows catches somebody talking about the the coach searches that you hear about you know so and so looking for a coach and And they kind of, as an aside, say it's a system set up or it's a system by which they set men up for failure. I would say that most churches this day and time, particularly Baptist churches, call pastors to set them up to fail by the process we follow. And it's my hope, one thing that we're doing well and right here at North Clay, not only do we have a young man like Josh already on our staff, already living among you, already growing and serving, But when y'all get tired of me, you've got a man that's ready to lead your church. Not somebody from 200 miles away that you'd listen to one sermon and a few people like. But a man that's grown up among you. That's grown up among you. that, That you've watched for 10 or 15 or every how many years it happens to be. Because the other way, all you're doing is waiting for a sucker punch. Remember, I had nine pastors in 20 years. And every one of them was brought in by that very same methodology. I can name you church after church after church that's followed that pattern. So, selected by the church, I believe there should be more than one elder in the church. We have three staff elders. My hope in the coming years we will have lay elders to work alongside of us that would be a kind of a fully functioning board of doctrinally sound men that I might take that sign off my desk. The buck doesn't stop here. The buck stops with us. With a group of men that pray about issues and work through issues and come to a reasonable uh, consensus, which, again, is the way I use our staff already. But at any rate, uh, it would be a good plan for us to follow, a biblical plan. And so we're here uh, to work hard with your cooperation. And so... Leading the people of God is crucial. You know, the one, the the I think it's three times repeated in Judges. Uh, in those days, Israel had no king. I'm not your king. I'm your pastor. Make that clear. I'm your. There are two different things. In those days, Israel had no king, and every man did what was right in their own eyes. It was a disaster. It was a season of apostasy in the nation of Israel, which really they never got over. They never got over it. And so we're here to lead and feed and protect and care for, to promote sound doctrine, to teach sound doctrine, so you may know, so you may be prepared uh, to, to live your life. It is a beautiful work. It is a rewarding work. It is a difficult work. It is a, a blessed work. I thank you for the call that you've made uh, to us uh, to serve you uh, by by leading you uh, in, in this fashion. And I hope we have many more years uh, together. But as we go forward, we want to do, again, we want to do things the right way, do the right things in the right way, by serving God and being effective and taking the gospel out from here so people will come in here so we may grow the kingdom of God, the people of God that meet here at North Clay baptist church Uh, let's pray father we thank you for your goodness and your grace for your truth for the power of your truth i pray that you would demonstrate it and apply it to our lives in jesus name